Hey, what's up you guys and welcome back to another episode of the Creepy and Paranormal Show. Today we are going to be doing a complete U-turn and taking the show in another direction altogether. Yes, we are going to be looking at a theory today. No, not a conspiracy theory, but a movie theory. One that has baffled internet users for a couple of years now, as well as kids and adults alike. The theory is that every Pixar movie is all part of the same universe and timeline. Sit back, relax and enjoy the show. This theory starts off with the movie Brave as it is the first and last movie in the timeline. Obviously, this movie is about a Scottish kingdom during the Dark Ages and is the earliest time period covered by the Pixar films but it's also the only Pixar movie that actually explains why animals in the Pixar universe behave like humans sometimes. In the movie, Merida discovers that there is magic that can solve her problems but inadvertently turns her mother into a bear. We find out that this magic comes from an odd witch seemingly connected to the mysterious Will of the Wisps. Not only do we see animals behaving like humans, but we also see brooms behaving like people in the witcher shop. We also learn that this witch inexplicably disappears every time she passes through doors, leading us to believe that she may not even exist. Don't get ahead of me, but we'll come back to Brave. Let's just say that for now, the witch is someone we know from a different movie in the same timeline. Now centuries later, the animals from Brave that have been experimented on by the witch have interbred, creating a large scale population of animals slowly gaining personification and intelligence on their own. There are two progressions, the progression of the animals and the progression of artificial intelligence. The events of the following movies set up a power struggle between humans, animals and machines. The stage for all-out war in regards to animals is set by Ratatouille, Finding Nemo and Up, specifically in that order. Notice now that I'd left out a bug's life, and I'll explain a little bit later about that. In Ratatouille, we see animals experimenting with the growing personification in small, controlled experiments. Remy wants to cook, which is something only humans expectedly do. He then crafts a relationship with a small group of humans and finds success. Meanwhile, the villain of Ratatouille, Chef Skinner, disappears. Another thing I thought was funny was that a chef by the surname of Skinner, playing along the words of skinny, and no good chef is skinny. Yeah, anyways, what happened to that chef? What did he do with his newfound knowledge that animals were capable of transcending their instincts and performing duties better than humans? It's possible that Charles Muntz, the antagonist of Up, learned of the startling rumour, giving him the idea to begin inventing devices that would harness the thoughts of animals, namely his dogs, through translator collars. Now those collars indicate to Muntz that animals are smarter and more like humans than we actually think. He needed this technology to find the exotic bird he is obsessed over, and he even comments on how many dogs he's lost since he arrived in South America. But then Doug and the rest of his experiments are set free of the Munster's demise and we don't know the full implications of that. But what we do know is that animosity between the animals and humans is growing steadily. Now the humans have discovered the potential of animals that are beginning to cross the line. To develop this new technology, 
the humans began an industrial revolution hinted at in the movie Up. Now some people have pointed out that Muntz was working in South America before the events of Ratatouille. Yes, this is true, but it is not explicitly stated how and when he developed the collars. Also, we know Ratatouille takes place before Up for several reasons. In Toy Story 3, a postcard on Andy's wall has Cole and Ellie's name and address on it, including their last names to confirm. Now, this confirms that in 2010, the time of Toy Story 3, Ellie is still alive or hasn't been dead for long. This supports the idea that Up takes place years later. In the beginning of Up, Cole is forced to give up his house to a corporation because they are expanding the city. Now, think about it. What corporation is guilty for polluting the earth and wiping out life in the distant future because of technological overreach? That's right, BNL, or as it stands for, by and large, a corporation that runs just about everything by the time we get to Wally. And in the history of BNL, a commercial from the actual movie, we're told that BNL has even taken over the world governments. Did you catch that this one corporation achieved global dominance? Interestingly, this is the same organization alluded to in Toy Story 3. Jump across to Finding Nemo, we have an entire population of sea creatures uniting to save a fish that was captured by humans. BNL shows up again in this universe via another news article that talks about a beautiful underwater world. Lines are being crossed. Humans are beginning to antagonize the increasingly networked and intelligent animals. Let's think about Dory from Finding Nemo for a second. She stands apart from most of the other fish. Why is that? She isn't intelligent. Her short-term memory loss is likely a result of her not being as advanced as the other sea creatures, which is a reasonable explanation for how rapidly these creatures are evolving. Now that is the furthest movie in the animal side of things, and when it comes to AR, we start with The Incredibles. Who is the main villain of this movie? Hmm, you probably thought of Buddy aka Syndrome who basically commits genocide on superpowered humans. Or does he? But he didn't have any powers. He used technology to enact revenge on Mr. Incredible for not taking him seriously. Seems a little odd that the man went so far as to commit genocide. And how does he kill all of the supers? He creates an Omnidroid, an AR Killbot. Killbot that learns the moves of every superhuman and adapts. When Mr. Incredible is first told about this machine, Mirage mentions that it is an advanced artificial intelligence that has gone rogue. Mr. Incredible points out that it got smart enough to wonder why it had to take orders. The Omnidroid eventually turns on Syndrome and starts attacking humans in the city. Why would an AR want to just attack randomly? Do machines have an inherent hatred of humans? The movie even shows clips of the superheroes with capes being done in bar and animate objects, such as plane turbines, <laughs> accidentally. But why would machines want to get rid of humans in the first place? We know that animals don't like humans because they are polluting the earth and experimenting on them. But why would the machines have an issue? Enter the Toy Story movie. Here we see humans using and discarding objects that are clearly sentient. Yes, the toys love it Uncle Tom style, but over the course of the Toy Story sequels, we see toys becoming fed up. But wait, 
toys and inanimate objects aren't necessarily machines, so how do they have the same kind of intelligence? Syndrome points to the answer. He tells Mr. Incredible that his lasers are powered by zero-point energy. This is the electromagnetic energy that exists in a vacuum. It's the unseen energy we find in wavelengths and a reasonable explanation for how toys and objects in the Pixar world draw power. By the events of the Toy Story movies, we are in the 90s until 2010. It's been 40 to 50 years or so since the events of The Incredibles, giving AI plenty of time to develop BNL. Meanwhile, Pixar is hinting at the satisfaction among pockets of toy civilizations. The toys rise up against Sid in the first movie. Jessie resents her owner Emily for abandoning her. Lots of hug and bear straight up hates humans by the third movie. Toys are obviously not satisfied with the status quo, providing a reason for why machines and objects alike are ready to take over. So, by the 2000s, the superhumans are all but gone and mankind is vulnerable. Animals, who want to rise up Planet of the Apes style, have the ability to take over, but we don't see this happen. So, AI never takes over humans by force. Why do you think that is? It's reasonable to assume that machines did take over, just not as we expected. The machines use BNL, a faceless corporation which are basically faceless in nature to dominate the world, starting in the 1960s after the Omnidroid fails to defeat the Incredibles. In each of the Toy Story movies, it's made painfully clear that the sentient objects rely on humans for everything, for fulfillment and even energy. It's hinted at that the toys lose all life when put away in storage, unless they are in a museum that will get them seen by humans. So machines decide to control humans by using a corporation that suits their every need, leading to an industrial revolution that eventually leads to pollution. When the animals rise up against the humans to stop them from polluting the earth, who will save them? The machines, of course. We know that the machines will win the war, too because after this war, there are almost no animals left on earth. So who is left? Because the machines tip everything out of balance, Earth becomes an unfit planet for humans and animals. So the remaining humans are put on Axiom or Noah's Ark if you want to carry on the biblical theme where Wally is basically the robot Jesus and his love interest is aptly named Eve as a last ditch effort to save the human race. On Axiom, the humans have no purpose aside from having their needs met by the machines. The machines have made humans dependent on them for everything because that is how they were treated as toys. It's all they know. Meanwhile, back on Earth, machines are left behind to populate the world and run things, explaining human landmarks and traditions still being prominent in cars. There are no animals or humans in this version of Earth because they're all gone. But we do know that the planet still has many human influences left. In Cars 2, the cars go to Europe and Japan, making it plain that this is all the talking place on Earth as we know it. So what happened to the cars? We've learned by now that humans are the source of energy for the machines. That's why they never got rid of them. In Wall-E, they point out that BNL intended to bring the humans back once the planet was clean again, but they failed. The machines on Earth eventually died out, though we don't know how. What we do know is that there is an energy crisis in cars too, with oil being the only way society trudges on despite its dangers. We even learn 
that the Alanol Corporation was used in green energy as a catalyst for a fuel war in order to turn cars away from the alternative energy sources. That clean fuel could have been used to wipe out many of the cars very quickly. Which brings us back to Wally. Have you ever wondered why Wally was the only machine left? We know that the movie begins 800 years after humans have left Earth on Axiom, governed by the autopilot, another name for AI. Could it be that Wally's fascination with human culture and friendship with the cockroach is what allowed him to keep finding fulfillment and the ability to maintain his personality? That's why he was special and liberated the humans. He remembered the times when humans and machines lived in peace, away from all of the pollution caused by both sides. And after Wally liberates the humans and rebuilds society back on Earth, what happens then? During the end credits of Wally, we see the shoe that contains the last plant of life. It grows into a mighty tree, a tree that strikingly resembles the central tree in a bug's life. Dum dum dum. That's right. The reason no humans show up in a bug's life is because there aren't a lot left. We know because of the cockroach that some of the insects survived, meaning they would have had rebounded a bit faster. Though, the movie had to be far enough in the timeline for birds to have returned as well, though they're noticeably less intelligent than the bugs. There's something strikingly different about a bug's life when compared to other Pixar's portrayal of animals, which leads me to believe it takes place in the future. Unlike Ratatouille, Up and Finding Nemo, the bugs have many human activities similar to what the rats in Ratatouille were merely experimenting with. The bugs have cities, bars, advertisements, their own machines, know what a Bloody Mary is and even have a travelling circus. This all assumes that the movie is in a different time period altogether. The other factor that sets a bug's life apart from the other Pixar movies is the fact that it is the only one besides Cars and Cars 2 that doesn't revolve or even include humans. Okay, there is a lot of contention over the idea that a bug's life takes place post-apocalypse, but hear me out. The reason I'm so inclined to push the idea is because of how different the bug world is from the animal movies. No other Pixar movie has animals wearing clothing, wild inventions, animals creating machines, or so much human influence like bars and cities. In Finding Nemo, the most human thing we see is a school, and even that is pretty stripped down. But in A Bug's Life, we have a world where humans are barely even implied. At one point, one of the ants tells Flick not to leave the island because there are snakes, birds and bigger bugs out there. He doesn't even bring up humans. Yes, there are some humans, like the kid who allegedly picked the wings off of a homeless bug, but that still fits in a post-Wally world. Also, the bugs have to be irradiated for them to live such long lifespans. The average lifespan of an ant is just three months, but these ants all survive an entire summer and allude to being around for quite some time by saying things like, this happens every year. One of the ants even says he feels 90 again. That works if you accept that the ants are sturdier due to evolution and mutated genes. So what happens next? Humanity, machines and animals grow in harmony to the point where a new superspecies is born. Monsters. The monster civilization is actually Earth in the incredibly distant future. 
Someone wisely pointed out that in the Monsters University, the college is said to be founded in 1313. If we're really in the future, then that means the Monsters could have reset society and begun using their own calendar. That could mean Monsters Incorporated takes place up to 1400 or more years after a bug's life. So where did they come from? It's possible that the monsters are simply the personified animals mutated after the diseased earth was irradiated for 800 years. Whatever the reason, these monsters seem to all look like horribly mutated animals, only larger and civilized. They have cities and even colleges, as we see in Monsters University. In Monsters Inc., they have an energy crisis because they are in a future earth without humans. Humans are the source of energy, but thanks to the machines, again, the monsters find a way to use doors to travel to the human world, only it's not different dimensions. The monsters are in fact going back in time. They are harvesting energy to keep from becoming extinct by going back to when humans were most prominent. The peak of civilization if you will. Though a lot of time has passed, animosity towards humans never really went away for animals slash monsters. Monsters must have relied on anti-human instincts to believe that just touching a human would corrupt their world like it did in the past. So, they scare humans to gather their energy until they realize that laughter, green energy, is more efficient because it is positive in nature. An alternative explanation that fits even better than some people have brought up is that the machines and monsters created the time travel doors but realized that messing with time could erase their existence and change history. So. They falsely trained monsters to believe that humans are toxic and from another dimension, making it suicide for a monster to interact too much with their world. We even see a connection between a bug's life and Monsters Inc. via the trailer we see in both movies. As you can see, the trailer looks exactly the same, except the one in a bug's life is noticeably older and more decrepit, while the other one in Monsters Inc., where Randall is sent via a door, has humans and looks newer. That being said, Monsters Inc. is so far the most futuristic Pixar movie. By the end, humans, animals and machines have finally found a way to understand each other and live harmoniously. And then there's Boo. What do you think happened to her? She saw everything take place in future Earth where Kitty was able to talk. She became obsessed with finding out what happened to her friend Sully and why animals in her time weren't quite as smart as the ones she had seen in the future. She remembers that doors are the key to how she found Sully in the first place and becomes, dum dum dum, a witch. Yes, Boo is the witch from Brave. She figures out how to travel in time to find Sully and goes back to what she believes is the source, the will of the wisps. They are what started everything and as a witch, she cultivates this magic in an attempt to find Sully by creating doors going backwards and forwards in time. So how do we know? In Brave, you can briefly see a drawing in the workshop. It's Sully. We even see the Pizza Planet truck carved as a wooden toy in her shop, which makes no sense unless she's seen one before. And I'm pretty sure she has, since that the truck is in almost every Pixar movie. If you look closely, you can see the carved truck below. You remember Merida opening doors and the witch constantly disappearing? It's because those doors are made the same way from Monsters Inc. They transport across time and that is why Merida couldn't find the witch later in the movie. But wait a minute, how did Boo travel in time in the first place and why is she obsessed with wood? Boo must have discovered that wood has been the source of energy all along. 
not just humans. The machines and monsters in Monsters Inc. use doors because they're made of wood and found a way to use that energy to travel in time. Take that Stephen Hawken. It's even possible that the wood from the tree in a bug's life is the source of Flick's ingenuity due to his fascination and respect for seeds growing into trees. The tree also bears a resemblance to the one in Up that Cole and Ellie frequented, which could be the source of Cole's wild creativity in using balloons to transport his house. This also explains why Flick and Heimlich from A Bug's Life show up in Toy Story 2, which would be centuries before their time. Boo was trying to go to the future and could have fallen short by landing in the post-warly time. She would need wood to keep time travelling, but there's not much around yet. So, she stumbles upon the tree in a bug's life. She could have accidentally brought back a few bugs with her when travelling backwards in time. So Boo went back to the Dark Ages, probably because she could use plenty of wood there for experiments or to study the Will of Wisps. We know that her first encounter with Mordu ended with her turning him into a monstrous bear, but he regresses. She probably wanted to turn him into a bear because Sully resembles a bear, and she is still trying to figure out where Sully comes from. Does Boo ever find Sully? I'd like to think so. He surely reunited with her at least once as a child at the end of Monsters Inc. But eventually had to stop visiting. But her love for Sully is, after all, the crux of the entire Pixar universe. The love of different people, of different ages, and even different species finding ways to live on Earth without destroying it because of a lust for energy. And that, folks, is the Pixar theory. So what do you think about this Pixar theory? Do you think it is a load of crux? Do you think there is some evidence in it? Or do you think the guys at Pixar just sit there randomly dropping Easter eggs into each of these movies, hoping that people will pick it up and then make a theory about it and then possibly do a video like I've just done now? If that's the case, well played Pixar, well played.